Well, hello, I'm here with Doug and Caitlin to talk about a post office scandal and quite a bit of other news. But first, Doug has a picture to show. Wait, Sam, I got to show you this one. This one is absolutely fantastic. So, hope you can see this. Now, a picture of some pink mug. Yeah, so this is a Stanley mug, and they call now, it a Stanley cup. Now I'm seeing and, other screens behind it. Oh, you do? Like Gmail and stuff. Yeah, I did. I, I want to say I really like the arrow that was on the picture. Yeah, the mug was there like with the whole. Uh, okay, could you click on on your browser window that has um not, not oh, the oh there can, you go now I can see it again yeah now I can okay. see the right thing again okay okay here we go so there's something that's called the Stanley Cup and I always thought the Stanley Cup had to do with hockey but I'm mistaken this is a mug that that's a collector's item that's being sold I guess by Starbucks and other places and they're going for around. You know, $150, $200 in that range. It's a collector's cup. But wait, take a look at what's being sold here. This was sold one hour ago. Yeah. Hundred. Let me see. Do I got my drawing tool here? $175. And it includes free shipping. Look at that. What are you buying? You're purchasing a hot piece of art. You're not purchasing the cup. You're purchasing... Yeah. A picture of <laughs> on a piece of paper. Now, does eBay have a return policy? Well, here's the thing. You're buying exactly what's being sold. Well, now, what I've heard is that if you pay like 1%, they have an escrow policy where they will hold the money and make sure you actually get it and say it's okay before the money goes through so you can return it. But if you don't yeah. pay for that, then there's but, no But look, it's in arts and crafts. It's in photography. What's misleading? Yeah. It clearly states it's a hot piece of art. You know, this yeah, is so th this yeah, this is an old scam. I actually saw a, like a decade ago a um one of the uh, TV court judges, you know, the fake TV courts where they, you know, like Judge Judy, yeah. where some people came in for this exact same thing it was I think a picture of a phone rather than a phone and the judge said, "No, this is obviously a scam." So there are legal recourses, although for $175, I would probably just eat my losses. Yeah. This is dark patterns is what this is. Where you I, have I think it's pretty news. funny. Oh, yeah, yeah. All right. All right. All yeah, right. yeah, you're right, Caitlin. This is an old scam, but old scams come about, right? They I recycle remember, these. I remember when, like, more than 50 years ago, maybe 60 years ago, when I was a kid, my dad talked about how when newspaper classified ads first came out, somebody put out an ad that said, last chance to send $1 to this address. And he gets some dollars. <laughs> we anyway, should try um, that. Yeah. Anyway, All right. <laughs> that's essentially what crypto is. All right, I've got a couple AI ones that are pretty funny. So a Michigan University has decided, not only are they like, to be the AI student, and they're going to run this AI student through the entire curriculum. It's going to participate in classes, choose a major, earn a degree, and hopefully proceed right to a PhD. And it will be an AI chatbot doing everything to see how that works. So this is actually a fairly interesting study in how good AI yeah. is. Yeah. Um, and, and, of course, another issue with online education. And in the same spirit, George Carlin is going to have a new special, AI-generated simulated George Carlin. So wow. with, with jokes about Trump and stuff, AI generated based on, I guess, his old videos or something. So uh, 
this got a few people upset on Mastodon when I posted this feeling. I think that it was like disrespectful and sacrilegious. I would assume the result will be horrible, but who knows? Again, a test to see how good AI is. Is it really going to be like George Carlin? Sam? This so is... are, the, are the jokes will be George Carlin inspired AI? Yeah, this they've had this for a while. If you just play videos of somebody from the internet, an AI can learn to imitate their style Yeah, to some extent. So supposedly you could feed it like, you know, some hours of George Carlin jokes and then like the New York Times and say, okay, make jokes about the new news. So th this would be essentially deep fake meets AI. Oh, yeah. 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 Okay. Yeah. All right. And Caitlin, you've got AI too. I have a lot of stuff about AI, uh, but first I'll share my picture. Um, oh, that's right. Will, yeah. So this is the Rosette Nebula. That's pretty. I know. Uh, it, it's a large nebula. It's near Orion. So this is a winter um, winter nebula. Um, and it's mostly hydrogen. So you'll notice that there's it's there's slightly different colors, like in the center to the outside. I had to boost the oxygen signal that I got uh, to make it so that the you could see the difference differences. So in the center, there's a lot more oxygen. On the, on the outside, there's more hydrogen, which is deep red. Um, and it's just a very pretty nebula. <laughs> to say about it. One star in the middle exploded, making all that mess, right? I, I would assume so. There's actually four bright stars in the center. Yeah. So I don't know how that how that happened. Um, and it's actually very much too large uh, to be just one star. Um, so I don't know what what happened there. Uh, it's a lot of stuff going on. It, it's a it's a large system. Uh, so anyway, yeah. it's very nice. Yep, I took that. I think on. Tuesday night. And how many hours of exposure is that? Uh, seven and a half hours. So the whole night pretty much, yeah. yeah. Good. Um, and then let's see. Okay, so. Uh, all right, let's go over to the web browser. This is TechSpot. This is an article by Alfonso Maruccia. Marush and uh, we're seeing some more scientific progress using AI to do all the boring stuff. So Microsoft used AI to find new material to go into lithium-ion batteries. So this is not a new battery per se, but uh, Microsoft used AI to find or and test various different materials to replace lithium in lithium-ion batteries. And in particular, they, they used it to find a... Um, uh, a new, uh, what's it called? The insulating material, what's it called? Um, it'll come to me in a second. Anyway, mm. um, so uh, I'll just read here. So the selection process, this is from the article, the selection process began with 32.6 million candidate materials and then identified 500,000 stable materials. Um, and then it was narrowed down to 800 potential candidates and using AI accelerated simulations to... Um, explore dynamic properties. Uh, it narrowed down to 150 and then so on and so forth down to uh, down to, then to 18. Um, and then they, oh, that's what it's called, an electrolyte. They found a new electrolyte <laughs> that uses less, um, less lithium. So now they can make lithium ion batteries using less lithium, which has become sort of a scarce mater uh, material uh, of well, source. Lithium, yeah, but lithium isn't that scarce. I, I think it's, it's just difficult to mine. 
it's it's difficult to mine. It's difficult to to work with. Um, it, it's a very light metal, so it's all at the surface. Yeah. So when you mine lithium, you basically like take out large swaths of land and just start digging and digging and digging. It's a big, big issue. So the less lithium we use, the better. Um, so that, that's good to see. We're seeing innovation uh, using AI as the sort of primary research method, which is exactly what we want to see. Now, I don't know if this is going to lead to the singularity or not, but it is nice to see AI being used for you know, practical purposes rather than you know, creating stand-up routines that are disrespectful. <laughs> so you got no respect for stand-up. Anyway, I think this is great. I think it reminds me very much of the protein work where they they take drugs and synthesize them and again, go through millions of candidates and get it down to like a dozen you would actually test. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. very good. Well, let's go back to Doug. Well, this one's out at Ottawa, Canada, and it's kind of interesting here. Yeah. And it's a court ruling that states that police must return phones after 175 million password guesses by police. Wait, I mean, they've actually set a numerical limit in the law? Well, what the judge said is, you've had your opportunity to try and break the password to get in, and you have not been successful. And the case is a, a pedophile who apparently has information stored on the phone, pictures, we're not sure, because nobody has been able to get into the phone and the pedophile is not revealing what's on the phone. So the judge has ordered, after 175 million yeah. password attempts, and they use dictionaries, um, you know, brute force was the method that was trying to get in there. So the judge said, okay, you had your opportunity. You haven't been successful. Give the phone back. You know, what kind of phone will let you do that? Usually it locks you out after 10 bad guesses. It doesn't say, so I don't know. I know there's a gray key that will try to break into iPhones. I think it's older ones by like resetting it after every 10 guesses, but it takes forever. And I think 175 million would be like years. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And... Here, to be more precise, let's see, the, the problem the judge was told is that there are 44 nano, nano, let's see, non, non million, N-O-N, billion okay. yeah. potential password codes. Because it's so like a 12-letter password or something, right? So, Yeah, yeah, yeah. So they're over 44 to the power of three, six, nine. Let's see, 12. I'm going to give up here. Yeah. But That's a ridiculous number. You could never try them all, of course. That's yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and and the judge thought, well, after 175 million, which is literally none, not even 1%, give the phone back. Well, but, okay. Well, I mean, it would make sense for there to be some statement that after some re after sufficient reasonable effort, you should return this stuff, I would think. Yeah. And that's what the judge is saying. They're, actually, it's the crown to be more precise because we're dealing with Canada. Yeah. So I don't know of any cases in the U.S. And I think current law is that you're not, um, that if asked to unlock your phone by police, you don't have to do it. That's considered a Fifth Amendment right. If it's a password, then that's right. But if it's a biometric, then you're not allowed to refuse, I think. 
I because don't know. We'd have to review that one. That's, that's what that's what I've read in articles, but I don't know. I think these issues are debated in court. Yeah, yeah. This I think I think the best answer to that is it's going to be on a case by case decision. Yeah, and every court will be different. Yes, it sounds quite fair. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, I thought that was kind of interesting. Yeah, yeah. Well, I got a few more. Um, yeah. There's something now. There's a problem. There are so many vulnerabilities now. The CVSS is like over to 10,000 vulnerabilities a year, and a lot of them are rated like seven or higher, which are where they usually tell you you need to patch them. So they've invented a new thing called the exploit prediction system. And this uses AI. They have trained AI out of all the vulnerabilities, which vulnerabilities are actually exploited by bad guys, which is only 2% of them. And they claim this thing has some predictive ability to predict which vulnerabilities will be exploited in the future. So you can now focus your patching on the ones that really matter. And you know, I've, I've, I came across this on Paul's project security podcast, and he said, I think this is garbage. And I was thinking, no, I think this will help me because one of my clients just recently came to me and said, we ran this scanner and it said, we have 2000 vulnerabilities. We can't possibly patch all of them. What shall we do? And this is one possible answer. Yeah. This is, I think, a common thing. You run some kind of scanner, it finds some ridiculous number of problems. Now what? Yeah, exactly. So I don't, the only thing is I wonder how accurate it can be, but actually I think this is reasonably plausible that it could learn what type of vulnerabilities do end up getting exploited. So Yeah, I, I would agree. You, you have to start somewhere. Yeah, and, and there probably are commonalities among the vulnerabilities that get exploited that you can get yeah. from like the, the original article common phrases and things that mean it's going to be easy enough to exploit and phrases that mean it's going to be hard to exploit. And the AI could find those maybe. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, this gives some guidance. Yeah. And it, it, it gives some framework to start from. And that doesn't necessarily mean that you'll go with the top one, but it's the ones that you'll start considering in order. Yeah. And, and another one I saw, I think from CES, they made a new monitor from MSI, which is 32 inches and 4K and OLED. But the controversial thing is it includes um, AI features which help you play video games by adding cues to like the bad guys that are sneaking up on you on the screen, which are not in the computer anywhere. They're in the monitor. So they say, if you were doing this, there's no way the online game could tell you were cheating. And so-, uh, so How does the monitor know? It- Do you know- visible things on the screen and uses AI to recognize them. That's a bad guy and points an arrow. Don't notice this bad guy over here. So I guess they you know, you, the games. You know, you could you could do something similar with the GPU because the GPU will render the bad guys, even yeah. if they're occluded. And so if you could get code running on the GPU, which would be very hard to detect. Yeah, I, you don't, could... think it, I don't think it claims to show you things that are not visible. It just helps I... guide you through the game. By like pointing uh, out, oh, this is important. That's important, you know. I, I see. So it detects, possibly it detects movement Something that like you that. may not be able to see or that would blend in. Well, it's, and it says, and I think it's they, a neon sign that says, hey, look here. It's AI. And I think it's they trained yeah. it on the games. <laughs> so it has learned to play the game. I mean, you could have a monitor that took over your mouse and keyboard and played the game for you. Yeah. And I think... They try to prevent that. I think people do. They say they have like automatic targeting systems, so you never miss and stuff like that. And they try to catch you if you're running those. But those are usually running a software on your machine, so maybe there's some chance of detecting them. 
Yeah, know, I always thought it would be great to to set up a cheating machine where the it's running as a VM, and then all the software to cheat is running on like the hypervisor that just changes memory addresses in the VM without the VM knowing that anything's there. <laughs> yeah, you could totally do it. I remember when I got the Commodore Vic. 20 or maybe the VIC-64, I would try to copy the games. The games come out floppy. So at first you could just copy them. Then they put copy protection on them. And often I would defeat the copy protection. And that was a lot more fun than the game itself. And one of the copy protections I found was the, the floppy drive was in fact intelligent. It had its own processor and its own memory and its own code. So what one of the games did was replace the firmware in the hard drive to write the floppy in a non-standard format. And I found that that was very interesting. So, you I mean, you have these multiple devices, they're all intelligent. You could put code in an unexpected device and fool people. Yeah. Anyway, let's, uh, however, after all this fun, Caitlin, you've got the AI disappointment. Right. So it's important to remember that AI still sucks. Um... <laughs> Evidently. <laughs> yes. Uh, so Wired has this article, get ready for the great AI disappointment. And there's a lot of people right now who, and let me just get the art, uh, author of the article. This is by Darren, I read that, uh, Darren Akem, Akemglu, Akem, Darren Akemglu? I'm, <laughs> I butchered that name so badly. I'm so sorry, Darren. I'm not sure your attempt to give credit is working out too well, but Yeah, I'm trying to credit the. I did not write this article. I did not do this research. I'm just reading the name to X. It would be easier for all of us. Elon Musk has the way. Yes, exactly. So, um, yeah. So Wired has this article written by Darren. We'll just call him Darren. (laughs) Getting ready for the great AI disappointment. Um, And uh, basically, you know, there's a lot of predictions right now that AI is going to be fantastic. We're going to have generalized intelligence pretty soon. It's going to take over all the industries and make our lives so much better. And you know what? It might just not even get much better than we what we have right now. Like maybe this could be it, right? Like we'll have some LLMs. We'll have some like image generations, a few more novel applications of AI. And maybe that'll be it. Sort of like so-so uh, automation. And we have to be prepared for that scenario, which is a real possibility. Now, I, I do think that there, there's more to be done with machine learning. Uh, personally, uh, I don't think it's going to take over the world. I don't think we're going to have Skynet. I don't think it's going to, you know, I don't think we're going to have humanoid robots, <laughs> you know, uh, but um, but it is important to temper uh, our expectations with uh, any new technology. So, I, yeah. Be sad, everyone. I completely agree. I was given a, a workshop on AI uh, about a week ago, and I said, you know, it's really still not doing anything more than just curve fitting. The large language models have just turned the let- words into numbers, and it's just fitting a curve in a high-dimensional space. Exactly. It. It's really not doing any miraculous thing like full human intelligence, not even remotely. Yeah, so, probably, yeah, my nephews probably. are... are- are taking a class on AI and the most important thing they're learning right now is linear regression. Right. That's why I say when I was doing AI, I was doing curve fitting 50 years ago and that's really the essence of it. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's you, you fit, a, fit your data on, on, and onto a curve and find local minimums and maximums and Bob's your uncle. However, that's, 
that's essentially what all experimental science has ever been. You measure something, then you draw some curve through it. That's your theory. I mean, you yep. can accomplish a lot that way. It can be quite valuable, but it's not, you know, going to replace all of us at our jobs or anything ridiculous like that. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. All right. And uh, you don't have another one, do you, Doug? No, I'm done for. I've got some more. Well, this one I thought was pretty exciting. Um, the um, I saw a tweet from, I think, Matthew Green talking about this, how Apple AirDrop has a serious privacy flaw. And he found the paper, which is from a couple of years ago. Apparently, Apple has known about this for years. AirDrop is Apple's short-range file sharing thing. I use it all the time to move pictures from my phone to my computer. And it goes over Bluetooth, and I think it uses Wi-Fi too. But anyway, it has serious privacy flaws because what it does is it hashes your phone number and email address and includes it in a handshake. And the problem is, no matter how good your hash function is, if you hash something that only has a small um, number of possibilities, like a phone number, you can just brute force it. And so you can just brute force the phone numbers and email addresses. And uh, there's these guys from... Uh, this paper from 2021, they proposed an alternative system that would really be private, but it's not what Apple's using. So that was pretty surprising. I didn't know that. AirDrop does not protect your privacy. And AirDrop is being used to share images like I'm, um, people do share images like to political messages and stuff. And I think um, maybe China someplace, they're actually like punishing people, finding out who's sending political messages in AirDrop and finding out who they are and punishing them because it's not private. So, Sam, is the way that they would do this is is essentially a rainbow table? Yeah, that's right. That's what it is. So, so they take all the hash values, they do the calculations, they've got a database, right, and they do the a reverse lookup. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because a, ha a hash value is a one-way mathematical calculation. Yeah, and they say with the right setup, you can you can reverse it within a few seconds, so you can go like to a public place where somebody is sharing like a politically forbidden message. And you can okay. take that data and figure out what phone number it came from. And then you go arrest that guy. Yeah. 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 So easily done, but it, it's only in the handshake. It's not with the photo itself. I don't really know what part of the okay. day, yeah. but you know, it's not, it's not encrypted by any good technique that works. Yeah. Understood. Yeah. All right. Which is something to know. I mean, people might want to know airdrop isn't, I, I never worried about whether airdrop was private, but uh, I guess it isn't. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. that is the one I thought was the most important, which is the one that I heard on a podcast and it's everywhere. This is apparently the biggest scandal, the brightest miscarriage of justice ever in the UK, the post office. They installed defective accounting software that made them think that the postmasters were stealing the money and they prosecuted hundreds of them. Many of them uh, committed suicide, went to jail, went had to lost their life savings because the defective software from Fujitsu told them the money had vanished when the money had not vanished. And they kept getting reports from people saying this software is defective. And they just kept ignoring that for decades and punishing the postmasters anyway. So now a TV show has exposed it and everyone is asking, how could the system be so broken as to refuse to admit what was obviously a systematic software failure and just blame hundreds of postmasters and think they're all embezzling money when they aren't. So that's wow. pretty shocking. Yeah, yeah I know. No, no. I, I heard about that story. So this happened in in uh, England. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and in England, they do have like these little postmasters that are sort of like the center of the town. And yeah, they had this software from Fujitsu and it was it was so bad. So clearly the answer is in the future, they should be using AI to detect, to detect this stuff, not, not algorithms. 
Well, you know, if they've been using the blockchain, then there could be no flaws in their accounting procedure. Exactly. That's that would be the answer. That's always the answer. Anyway, what but what's amazing is nobody pays attention to reports that the software is defective, as if that's impossible. I mean, every software has bugs. And you know, when a bunch of people have the same problem with the software, you ought not to just discard the hypothesis that the software is broken. And how hard is it to find a defect in accounting software? It seems like a simple test would have caught this if it's doing so many errors. Anyway. Yeah. And I, you know, I'm just looking here. It's more than 700 sub postmasters were convicted of fraud and theft between 1999. Think about that 1999 and 2015. That's 15 years. Oh, it's more than, yeah, no, it's amazing. This is the, the ultimate sort of Kafka-esque bureaucracy where it's doing something horrible and nobody cares and you complain and they just lock you up anyway. Yeah, yeah. And here I'm reading, it's 900 in Wikipedia. Yeah. 900 were convicted. Oh, yeah, a lot of them. Yeah. And, and the last one I've got, which I thought was amazing, is I wonder if this is going to work. So somebody uh, got into somebody's cryptocurrency wallet and they stole his Bitcoin. But then he was able to track the Bitcoins moving and find the wallet where they're actually sitting, owned by the criminal. So now he wants to sue them. So he sent a transaction through the blockchain, which is your legal notice. You have been served. You must appear in court. And here's a link to the official document. And if that counts as serving someone he does not know, then he can get a default judgment against them and they don't show up in court and they can take the money out of his wallet. <laughs> But what's to prevent the bad guy from transferring out of the wallet right now? The only probably that he will never notice this because you don't look for messages coming in on the Bitcoin transactions. It doesn't right. pop up in your wallet, obviously. So that's why it's an interesting legal case. Does this count as serving someone to send a message through the blockchain? Yeah, my thought is probably not. I would think not because he can reasonably say, I never saw it. It didn't pop up on my screen. No normal software would make it visible. This is ridiculous. I mean, you might as well write it on the sky and pretend I saw it. Yeah, yeah. So I, I think if there was a confirmation that it was looked at, yeah, like, like an email um, where somebody viewed it or it was read, then maybe it would be legal on that. But here's yeah. the question. Why, why can't the bad guy just transfer the money out? Oh, well... They could before the lawsuit, after yeah. being after being served, it would then be a crime to transfer it out. And if they could find you, they might be able to claw it back. But I mean, what I think what they're counting on is he won't notice it. He won't take it out. And apparently they have some reason to believe they can get the money out of the wallet. Perhaps it's in a service like Coinbase or something. I see. But if it they wasn't a Coinbase, they would have know your customer and be able to find them. So there are various things not clear here. But remember, we have been pretty successful at clawing money back from the blockchain lately. When the colonial oil pipeline got hacked, they paid millions of dollars, and the U.S. government managed to claw most of it back. So apparently yeah. the bad guys that tried to take the money were foolish enough to pass through exchanges that governments could get at, like Coinbase. And in principle, you could perform Bitcoin transactions that nobody could intercept. But apparently a lot of bad guys are not smart enough to do that. Yeah, I got it. Okay. Yeah.
Anyway, um, and this is why, you know, one thing I often hear from technical people is, oh, the government shouldn't mandate some encryption because it's not perfect and they shouldn't mandate, they shouldn't uh, like ban encrypted chat apps because people will just go to an unauthorized chat app. But the fact is most people just use whatever's convenient and normal, whether it's really good for the job or not. You know, right. most people aren't sophisticated enough. Aha, Caitlin, I see you are enhanced. Unmuted. Yes, I have a, I have a, I have a beast. You do have a beast. Your beast is very photogenic. Your beast looks a lot like a nebula you might find in the sky. A gray nebula. Yeah. She, well, her her color is space gray. So she's... yeah, very suitable. <laughs> well, you've got uh, some stuff about CES. I do. I do have CES stuff. Um, actually, Cody Coral has, uh, has uh, CES stuff. So let me go over to the browser. So CES 2024, uh, Cody Coral has a article about the weirdest tech gadgets and AI claims from Las Vegas. This is on techcrunch.com. Um, and so as someone who enjoys crackpot engineering, I was deeply interested in seeing all the ridiculous stuff coming out of CES this year, particularly stuff that has to do with AI and, um, and you know, all the weird stuff that's coming out uh, from these companies. So the first one that's interesting that actually I think is useful. Um, this is once again a good use of AI that we didn't have before is a $5,000 pair of binoculars that will identify birds that you're looking at. So if you're bird watching and you have binoculars, it'll say, oh, look, you're looking at a um, pigeon or you're looking at, you know, such and such um, finch. Uh, there's a lot of finches in my area. So yeah. So um, it says you're looking at a bird. Yeah. Yeah. No. Yeah. Okay. Uh, no. It, it'll. 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 It'll tell you. Like in this example, they use the cedar waxing bird. Uh, but yeah, it'll tell you. It'll identify the bird that you're looking at. Which I think that's a good idea. I. I mean, if you're really into bird watching, I think that's fantastic. It's five thousand dollars. So, I hope you really like bird watching. <laughs> I don't see why that needs to cost five thousand dollars. We already have that. There's already apps where you take a photograph of a plant and it'll tell you what it is. It's just an image search. How hard can it be anyway? I think yeah, building so it in, building it into the binoculars and not having it obscure your vision while you're looking at the at the bird, I think, is the hard part. Well, yeah, so so there's iNaturalist where you have to take a picture, yeah. you have to upload, and it has to be identified. So this is real time. Yeah, it's a time saver. Okay. Yep. I guess if bird watching is your thing, you might love it. Yeah, exactly. exactly. I mean, I, I would I would criticize people for spending five thousand dollars on AI powered binoculars, but I spent last night like almost three thousand dollars on filters and cameras to do deep sky stuff. So I'm not one to judge. Um, yeah. So okay, an app that lets you pee. Um, so and on the dystopian front, <laughs> um, people are renting out their toilets, so you have to pay someone if you want to pee which I imagine will take off. So if you have a business and you want to make a little extra money, you can rent out your toilet for $5 per use. Well, uh, they've had these forever. When I was a kid, you had to put in like a dime to get in at the train station and stuff. I don't know if they still have those. No, those were made illegal. Oh, yeah, those were illegal. But now they're yeah. going to be legal again, thanks to yeah. the AI. So, well, so if they payment. were illegal, why isn't this illegal? Why were they ever illegal anyway? Because these are private, private stuff. Yeah, this is private property. The other ones were in gas stations, department stores. And so this is, is Uber. I, this is Uber what, for toilets. 
Yeah. Yes, Uber, Uber for toilets, exactly. Or, or Turo for toilets. Yeah. <laughs> so I think, Caitlin, Sam, do you remember why um, coin toilets were made illegal? I do not know. I, I believe they were discriminatory against women. I How does that work? That, I, I don't know. Maybe I'll have to look that one up. But I believe <laughs> that's why they um, faded into history. Mm. Except, you know, if you go into Europe, you still have, if you go to France, what we call Madame PP. So if you want to go to the bathroom, you have to pay a couple francs, now euros, to use the toilet. Well, it might keep them cleaner in San Francisco anyway. I don't know. but Yeah. I, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Caitlin, well, what else do you have? Anything else? I, yes, we do. We have... Um, a BlackBerry-style keyboard for your iPhone, which oh. is amazing. That which would be retro. Popular. A lot of people missed the BlackBerry keyboard. Yeah, okay. so you can finally have the thing that we all wanted to get rid of. So is that currently available, or is that a um, maybe we'll produce this if there's interest type of product? Or do you know? It it is it is being produced. It's by Clicks Technology, and it's going to be for one hundred and thirty nine dollars for this little keyboard. Hmm. I bet there's a market for that. Yeah, yeah, I would think so too. But that means now you got a bigger iPhone to lug around. Well, you know, some people have like they carry on keyboards to go with their iPad. You know, so I think. Yeah. There's a lot of people that hate the on-screen keyboard and would like a mechanical one. Yeah, but it, it it the the keyboards for the iPad makes the iPad thicker, not longer. Okay. So this is going to be harder to shove in your pocket, and all those custom pockets that are for cell phones, this won't fit anymore. So yeah, and you know, it, shelf special pockets to put it in, and you have even more products to sell. Exactly. You know what would be even better is if that keyboard flipped out. Rather than always protruding. Yeah. See, yeah. there you go. Now you see th they said they should hire me as a product designer. That would be Come the right. version for twice as much money. Yes. It sounds it's great. Weird. Yeah. Exactly. But they have. But didn't um, is it Samsung? Maybe they came up with the foldable phone or the roll-up phone. The yeah, they have shade phone. Yeah, they have foldable phones too. Yeah, but don't they have a window shade phone where you can roll it up? I've seen like prototypes, but I don't know if any yeah. of them ever hit the mark. Yeah, I don't think there's an actual product. But... I bet that I bet the screen wouldn't last long doing that. Yeah, no, there there are um there at CES this year. This is this is not in the article, but there were some like million dollar televisions that did completely fold up, and were on like special hinges. Um, and the reason why it was so expensive is that the TV would know where the hinges were, and in order to hide the hinges, would like brighten up that area between the hinges. Mm -hmm. um, so like on the left of the hinges, the pixels would be brighter and the, to the right of the hinges, the pixels would be brighter and it would hide, hide the little black hinge. Um, it was like millions of dollars and it could fold. So you know, anyway, it, it, CES is always TVs, right? We had 3D TVs, we had 4K TVs, 8K TVs. And where has it gotten us? Everybody's still using, I think, just standard 4K. Yeah, no, I like my I like my HDR 4K TV. I mean, it's TVs. You didn't buy an 8K, and why there's no content or very little content. I, there's a lot of content on like Netflix and yeah. and for, Disney no, Plus 8, and for 8K. 
Oh, for 8K, I don't know any. 4K, 4K, there's a lot of content. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And and there's virtually nothing for 3D. 3D is come and gone. Well, yeah. Yeah. 3D never really made much sense. Doesn't make much sense in the movies either. Yeah, but it does at CES if you're trying to sell a new product. Yeah. All right. What else you got, Caitlin? All right. We got dynamic sound mixing while you're driving. So the computer, this is, oh gosh. So this is, what's it? This is by Will I Am. It's called SoundDrive. The company that made it is called SoundDrive. And basically it analyzes how you're driving and then matches the music to how you're driving. So I imagine if you are like throwing up your, your parking brake and drifting drifting around corners, it'll play like Eurobeat music. Yeah. And then if you're like stuck in traffic, it'll play Mozart or something. You know, I don't, I don't know exactly how this works, but. For um, me, the Monty Python theme. Anyway, go ahead. Yes. Exactly. <laughs> Um, this router. is something that I would, I, yeah, this is this is totally something I would come up with, um, a router that looks like a picture frame. So if you have to put a router somewhere and you're like, I don't like how this looks, you can make it look like a picture frame and you can hang, put your picture in it, but it's also a router. This reminds me of the craze, the supercomputer that was also a couch. Yes. We, yeah. We saw that at the, at the history museum and yeah. I was so jealous. I really want a computer I can sit on. Yeah, <laughs> we're we're really missing that nowadays. Um, I'm gonna have to build a computer into a chair as my next uh, when I need to upgrade. Uh, yeah, I'll do that. Um, let's see, an AI assistant that calls nine one one, which is always good. So some home, some smart home AI agents uh, will. Apple Watch oh. already do that, and won't, I know, I know. Won't yeah, Siri, won't Amazon Alexa already do this and stuff? Um. Electric call nine one one. Yeah, yeah, but it's it's it's. I think this is mostly aimed at uh, people who might forget to take their medicine, and it will remind them to take their medicine. And if they fall and break their hip, well, sure, it'll Yeah, it'll. I know. Kind of keep an eye on for that, and automatically call nine one one. I know enough old lame people. I'm not that far from being one of them myself. And what you do is you wear like a necklace with a little button to yeah. some help. Anyway, or or you can or you can add AI to your house. Yeah, that's. But I mean, I think so if you actually have one of those AI question. smart speakers, it would totally replace this. I would think, but maybe I'm wrong. Yeah, yeah but you would have to yell out, be like, "Call nine one one." I shouldn't. I should not say that actually in today's world. Uh, <laughs> my my Alexa is probably already doing that. But um, yeah. yeah so you, so the problem here that you have is you're expecting that nine one one is going to answer. Or it's not going to be busy. Now, if you're in Oakland, California, people are getting busy signals. Yeah or they're not picking up. And I've heard of 30 minute, uh, uh, people waiting 30 minutes on hold before 911 operator answers. Yeah, I've heard of that, but hopefully, people got pretty upset and hopefully they fixed that. Nope, let's move on. That's hopefully they okay. will fix it, but currently that's not the case. Oh, that's all right, so, all right, so here's something that is very important that we all need in our homes a bidet that you can talk to. So basically they put an Alexa in a bidet and it's called the Pure Wash E930 bidet seat with voice command support and with Alexa, Amazon Alexa and Google Assistants. So if you want your bidet to start spraying you, you can just tell it to start spraying you. Also has like UV cleaning stuff, you can talk to it. So if you've ever wanted to talk to your bidet, now you can. Uh, there is a voice absorbing mask um, that, as the article points out, does look very much like an, a muzzle. So if you're in public and you want to talk privately, you can put on this muzzle. Oh, <laughs> it's called the phone is somehow inside there. 
Exactly. So wow. it's the SkyTed mobile privacy mask. So this is the cone of silence. <laughs> yes, exactly. exactly. It's the cone exactly. of silence. <laughs> I think that's great. Yes, I know. Exactly. It, it scares everyone. It's, it's the cone of silence. Oh, I think someone wants to come down. Okay. All right, Astrocat, you've had your fun. AI-powered stroller. Great. Yes, we have an AI-powered stroller. So if you're too lazy to like want to take care of your, your dumb kids, uh, the AI-powered stroller will will rock your kids for you. But don't, um, wait, 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 you wait. Take wait, your kids to the park and play with them and then bring them home later? I, I Not yet. I think, I think that'll be the ultimate advancement of AI. It'll just raise your kids for you. Yeah. What, <laughs> what's the AI portion of rocking? I, I, well, apparently it'll detect when the baby needs to be rocked um, <laughs> and it'll push itself. So, so it also, so it'll also push itself. So yes, it will drive itself to the park, Sam, <laughs> to a certain extent. Uh, it'll stop automatically on incline. So you don't have a Ghostbusters 2 situation. Um, and yeah, it'll rock the child for you and stuff. So it also includes a white noise machine for the kids. So. Great uh here team. yeah uh here's another one from the article the an uncanny uncanny valley you can brainstorm what what so uh i don't know who came up with this idea why they thought this was a good idea uh but basically it's it, it is so weird it's this it's it's this robot with like multiple screens and like it's like look like it's it's so weird. it's not you would think like okay one screen maybe but it has like all these screens all over the place. It is so weird. And apparently it's just there so you can brainstorm with it, but it just looks like a monster kind of. Yeah. Uh, okay. All right. Anyway. This is quite common where they try to put some kind of face on a chatbot to make it seem more like you're talking to a human. But yeah, that no, that's a distorted face to give you nightmares. Yeah, no, I, I very much do like talking to computers as computers. They're they're just fine the way they are. Well, you know, you I remember to... when I first started using chat rooms in like the 90s, at first it seems unnatural, and then suddenly it becomes transparent. You feel like you're talking to a person and you don't notice that you're having to type all the time. But for a lot of people that don't type or read that well, I think they really can't communicate very well. And they uh, Captain Kirk had a good one, right? You just say, hey, computer. Is there oxygen on that planet? And the computer just answers you, you know? Yeah. And if it if it had a face, this is something Bill Gates said like 10 years ago. They asked him and said, oh, our computers is good. We don't need any more RAM or anything. He said, no, we totally do. What you want is you want a full human face in three dimensions talking to you with a personality. That's what everybody really wants. We want it to get that good. So, I mean, this is like a primitive attempt to do it, but I think there is a market for this. I don't I don't think so. I think I think this no, is I silly. So. You know, you know what yeah. it looks like is the uh, is the iPad on a Segway. Yeah, that's right. But, yeah. I mean, but I think if I I just saw uh, an article about a fully humanoid robot that people have. And I think there's going to be a big market for that among non-tactical people where they would like to talk to their computer and see a face and have a personality and a voice and not have any of this typing or anything. So, so here's where I think the problem is. These systems are very expensive, and the people who need a face on their computer to interact with it, I don't think have the ability to make the the money to afford such such a thing like this. Yeah, well, it just has to become popular, and then it'll come down. You know? I don't know. I don't know. All right, what else do you have? 
Okay, we have this. I think this is the last one. Oh, wait, no, there's a few other things. Okay, so there's pocket AI that will scroll your phone for you. Okay, so uh, so if you want to order pizza is what the article says, um, you can have the Rabbits R1, that's what this is called, uh, go on your phone, unlock it, find an app, you know, scroll down and make it stuff for you, um, you know, and and push the screen for you. So uh, it's a, instead of like using something like Google Assistant, um, it uses uh, something called a language action model, which allows it to sort of just use your phone for you, <laughs> which- Can't Siri already do this? I, I guess. Um, but wait, is this an iPhone? It, it, is, is this a yeah. special phone? Well, suppose that's a good question. I, I don't think it's a phone. It's supposed to. It's it's supposed to navigate your apps for you. Um, I, I don't know how this is supposed to work. I don't understand how this makes my life better. It doesn't look like a cell phone at all. It, yeah, it kind of. It kind of looks like. Um, what was the um, was it a, was it the flip BlackBerry? Do you remember that? Or the BlackBerry yeah. slide that would you push a button and the keyboard would flip around and the screen pop up. Something oh, the sidekick. Like, I had one of those. Kick. Yeah. 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 No, it's I, I, yeah. So I don't I don't know what 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 market people are like, oh gosh, it's so hard to use apps on my phone. I need something to automate it. Um I thought that right, next, next. the phone that would do that stuff for you. Not that I yeah. Do, but yeah, the, the, I mean, I don't know. Um, let's see. Um, smart, smart mollusks. Ooh. There we go. Looking out for water pollution. So finally something that might actually be a good idea. So, um, uh, so Malu scan CEO, <laughs> that's the company. Um, they, they have this like clam shell type thing that goes in the water and just monitors, um, uh, it, okay. So, so it, you, you put a sensor onto a clam or, or oyster and it monitors the clam or oyster or whatever, the mollusk uh, to see how it's feeding and reproducing and, and how it's living, um, which in turn predicts like how good the water is and what's the pollution and stressors going on in that environment. So that's actually kind of interesting. Yeah. I'm surprised you actually need a living clam or mollusk to be part of it. That's interesting. Yeah. Makes it sort of well, like I, tags that they put on like uh, sharks and stuff to like track them through the ocean. Yeah. Yeah, I, I think they use clams, mollusks um, to judge pollution. Yeah. But you have to harvest them. And this prevents the harvesting. Yeah. So Prevent cruelty to clams. Yeah. So out, out of all those things, which one, if you, if you, if someone were to give you one for your birthday, which, which, which of those things would you would you want to have? That's a great question. I can't even remember any of them were even slightly interesting. But I so we had the we had the binoculars, the app that makes you let you toilet. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. The, there's the BlackBerry, the dynamic sound car thing, the router that looks like a picture frame, the AI assistant that calls nine one one, the bidet, the talking bidet, uh, the voice absorbing mask, uh, AI stroller. Uncanny Valley that you can brainstorm with, 
uh, and the pocket AI, the pocket AI assistant, and the smart mollusks. You know, I can't imagine any of these things that you would ever use after the first week. I would use the bidet. I would totally use the bidet. I would that would be that would be the centerpiece of my uh, of my living space. Would that would be that bidet? Yeah, I, they all just remind me of how I'm glad I don't have any smart devices of any kind. <laughs> I I want that bidet. I am just. Do they have? Let's see. There's there's a link here to this bidet. Um, uh, Col Kohler's oh, voice controlled Kohler. bidet. What's oh, it turns your it's. Well, it it turns your dumb toilet into a luxurious smart throne. Ooh, there you go. So you can just upgrade. You can upgrade your toilet. Oh, check this out. Well, yeah. Oh, and it's available from Cole's website. Oops, uh, wants me to pay for stuff. Um, Pure Wash in, in. Let's see how much this costs. Uh, Pure Wash in. Take a guess. Five thousand. Oh no, no, much less than us. I'm I'm guessing maybe it's Alexa enabled. Oh, 1,000. Oh. You probably have to subscribe to some monthly service. Let's see. Uh, elongated toilet. with So my toilet could cost more than AstroCat's toilet, which... And if you and if you don't pay your monthly fee, they'll turn it off. I, it does not look like there is a monthly fee attached to this. Probably hidden from you. Installation guide, yeah. But yeah, no, here it is. The pier wash, it's for sale right now. $1,300. You can you can pay over time with a firm. I wonder if you can get the optional self-driving upgrade. That would be amazing. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, now I know now I know what I want. This is my 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 goal for the end of the year is to somehow get a pure wash E930. Man, I, I've never thought I would have any interest in CES, and I'm still have that same opinion. Just complete garbage. <laughs> All yeah. right. Well, you know, this is companies making their prototypes to see if there are any takers, any buyers. Yeah, well, you could try making a prototype that actually does something of some value. <laughs> well, you should see anyway. some of the other things that are out there that yeah, people yeah. are buying. Yeah, well... Ooh. Who could predict the pet rock? Yes, it reminds me of that. Yes. Foolish thing people buy and then they never care about it for a while. Yeah. Who would go to the store? This was some years ago and buy a rock yeah, in a department yeah. store. It was a it was a hit for a while, like Beanie Babies. Yeah. Yep. yep. You guys are, are showing your age right now. And do you, do you I've know never the final? Hit, mine is always apparent. <laughs> you know the final outcome of the pet rock? I do not. Um, it was an advertising exec. He thought it'd be kind of a, a nice joke, so to say. He wound up, I think, making around $6 million, but having to spend nearly $6 million in lawsuits to defend himself. And he regrets ever putting it on the market. Why were there lawsuits? What What's, what's <sighs> hard to understand about a pet rock? What could you possibly expect that you're not going to get? Um I think the lawsuits had to do with some of the claims that were being made about how to take care, how to properly take care of your pet rock. Oh. And that, 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 that the claims did not come true. Well, you know, he just was a, before his time. If he had only been on the blockchain, then everything would have been fine. <laughs> Cryptocurrencies and NFTs. 
Yep. I think they're definitely descendants of the pet rock. Yeah. All right. All right. Well, I better take off, folks. Um, that's enough for this one, I think. And we'll have another one on Tuesday. Very good. Sounds good.